Hi everyone, welcome back to Coin Bundle Conversations in partnership with Tuesday Capital, where we invite some of the leading investors and entrepreneurs in the blockchain space to tell you about their stories and how they invest in cryptocurrencies so that you can learn from them and also invest responsibly. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Brett Gibson, who's a successful serial entrepreneur and now a partner at Initialize Capital, which is one of the leading investors in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space, also an investor in Coin Bundle. Uh, Brett, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Great. Um, so, Brett, uh, we want to start with learning about your journey a little bit. So, you started your first company when you were very young. You were only a year or so out of college. So, tell us about that. How did you know you wanted to start a company and how did you start it? Um, I kind of defaulted into it more than anything else. I got, I got a degree in philosophy and ended oh, wow. up working in a, a pizza place out of college. And uh, I just kind of got lucky. One of my friends that was working in a software startup and uh, recommended me to, for the job. And I, didn't, I was kind of teaching myself programming. And, it was, and they, I sufficiently convinced them that I could learn to do what they needed like, while working there. And I worked for that company for about a year and a half, and it was just kind of going sideways. Okay. So we, uh, a few of us left and started sort of a hybrid consultancy slash, you know, like startup out of, uh, out of my friend Sasha's basement. So that's how, that's how I ended up there. That's great. And that, was, that, that had a wonderful name, the Occasional Good Idea Company. Yeah, yeah Occasional Good Idea. Yeah, it was just, um, that was, I don't know, that was one of my co-founders, that was what he claimed he brought to the table in, in various <laughs> contexts was a, so he Occasional was a Good Idea. Yeah. No, he was a programmer. He was actually a very good programmer, but that was just kind of his thing. So that's what we named it. That's awesome. And so what did, uh, what did the company make and what was some of the interesting products? Yeah, so I mean, the main thing we made was this, uh, as a product, was a, it was a site called Draw here it was a it was a bookmarklet if you remember bookmarklets when they're widespread that oh, okay. let you uh, graffiti on top of a website so you would like click uh, the bookmarklet and then it would give you like a drawing palette and um, anyone else who clicked it would see the same image so it was like this persisted drawing okay. on you know as you went around the web um, it was kind of it we were just like it was like Right when SVG was being added to browsers, so it was kind of you had to have like I mean, it worked like weird VML and IE or or uh, we we were waiting patiently for Firefox one one point five to be released yeah. to support it. So that's awesome. And then you also sold that company really soon. Yeah, yeah, it ended up going to to DeviantArt. They were just kind of they I don't know they thought it was a fascinating idea. We we I don't know we didn't have much of a business model or anything yeah. for it, but um, they like the team is more of an aqua hire. And yeah, yeah, they still they, my co-founders are still working at wow. DeviantArt today. So that must be amazing. So you must have been. 25, 26 at this time? Uh, yeah. That's wow, so that's an amazing journey. So then after that, um, very soon after that, you started your second company. So what, tell us about that. Yeah, I, so I, I kind of like did software consulting off and on for a couple years, and I kept, um, you know, wanted to start a new company. Um, and uh, I applied to Y Combinator a few times, kind of with, with more, like, I mean, they're, they were probably right in rejecting me in that as much as that, like, as soon as I was rejected, like the company fizzled and there wasn't really a yeah. thing there, right? Um, so, um, and then eventually I, 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 I synced up with one of my good friends from childhood and we started Slinkset and uh, we, we were going to do it regardless and got into YC. Um, and so we were, so we, we were part of the YC08 Boston, uh, batch in Boston. Oh, the original? The last, well, it's not the original, so the original is like 05, but okay. we were the last one that where they actually took place in Boston. Oh. Yeah. And then so from Slinkset, uh, 
you joined uh, Hands with Postress and you grew that to, that had like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of users. Yeah, yeah. So um, Slingset was, I mean, we were doing okay, but it was, um, we again didn't have much of a business model. Um, it was right after the crash in 08, we had trouble fundraising. Yeah. And so we kind of, we just folded the company into Posturus, and that's when I joined up first with Gary Tan and yeah. started working there. And then Posturus then got acquired by Twitter as well. Yeah, I'd left, I'd left by that time, but yeah, Posturus eventually, we, you know, we did a couple. Uh, after we joined, we did a large Series A, and then they did a, pretty, a bigger Series B, and eventually Twitter acquired. That's awesome. So now you've had uh, two of your companies gone through acquisitions. Uh, then you decide to join Y Combinator. Tell us about that, and what did you do there? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, but between then and that was was post I mean, when when Twitter was shutting down, Posture Scary and I got back together and started a new blog platform to sort of to let people migrate over. Um, it, you know, it's kind of a sort of kind of a labor of love. So, it's, yeah. and as much as we don't plan to actually ever look, you know, have some, any sort of liquidity event, um, and so I was working with Gary again, and he was working at YC. And around that time is when Paul Graham left, and they were hiring. So he, you know, recommended that I that I join, and so I joined in I guess spring of 2014. And most of what I did was like all of the internal tools to run Y Combinator were part of were written by Paul Graham and part of the Hacker News code base. Okay. And so I ported those out into the into their own applications. So nice. I wrote. You know the application system, the company tracking backend, the 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 voting mechanism, and like how the how the partnership sort of works through the applications that come in and figures out you know who they're going to interview, you know like organizing the interviews stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and and uh, as someone who's gone through Y Combinator, it's like the whole infrastructure of of the whole system and ecosystem basically runs on that system, and it just yeah. makes everything so convenient. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like almost it would be almost impossible otherwise yeah. without without some sort of software background. I think that's you know the sort of an insight that the Paul. Paul had because it's um, they get so many applications. I mean, when you tell people like I think he used to joke when you tell people that you'll give them money if they fill out a form on yeah. the internet, yeah. you get a lot of people filling out the form. Yeah. And so um, you know, YC's commitment to get back to everybody who's filled out the form with some sort of definitive decision and you know incentives to find the best ones out of the, of the bunch. Like it's it becomes a bit of a software problem to get. Um, to get re a sufficient review of all the applications and, and like meaningful review of all of them. Yeah. So that was, I guess, your first transition from being a serial entrepreneur to being more on kind of like the investor incubator side. Mm -hmm. How was that transition like? Did you like it? Uh, what yeah. made you make it? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was um, it was definitely you know you kind of there's a, like a bit a little bit of a sense of like this is how the sausage is made. Yeah. You know when you when you switch wise. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I like you know I liked being around a lot more founders. It's energizing to, yeah. to deal with a bunch of you know young, or not necessarily young, but early yeah. on in their journey, founders. Um, so yeah, it was great. That's great. And so so then you've been at Y Combinator. You've probably met like hundreds, if not thousands, of interesting companies. Um, how did you decide to then say, I'm going to be a full-time investor uh, and, and join an initiative? Again, a little bit circuitous. Like I, so we both, Gary and I both left uh, YC at the same time. Um, you know, I don't know that neither, either of us had specific plans when we left, but soon after we did, he went to, on to raise, initialize fund, our most recent fund, Fund 3. 
And I kind of I spent the year researching and kind of learning um, yeah. a lot of you know like computer science stuff that I had then done some actually a lot of um, cryptography. Um, and you know, at the end of the year, and I also worked on Post Haven. We had a bunch of updates. We'd sort of prom- we'd promise, and yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd lost track of working at YC. Um, and then, you know, when I was done with that. I was just trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do next. And Gary just sold me on joining up at Initialized. Great. So, so now you had Initialized. You're probably getting like, uh, you know, dozens of pitches thrown at you all the time. Mm-hmm. What's kind of your um, investment approach at Initialize? How do you filter through all of the companies that are coming to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough because one thing about Initialize is that we're as a larger seed fund. I mean, seed means something very different from what it did yeah. when I was fundraising. These are kind of seri- what I would call like Series A size deals. Yeah. Um, so and so. Effectively, we're writing fewer, larger checks than than say even say the initialized first couple funds when they were doing follow-on just for YC companies. Um, so, uh, sadly, we do look a lot more. We don't always get to work with all the founders that we'd want to yeah. in this in this context. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of I think I personally am a little bit founder first in, in my evaluation. You know, I like get energized with founders, so I think yeah. you know like. Are you know like working hard and smart and like that um, are straightforward and you know to talk to. Um, but we we do a lot of analysis also around market size and where we think the market's going to be and, and the, how big a company can grow, just sort of necessarily based on the deal flow we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, so how, uh, what advice would you have to companies uh, that are started by maybe people in the audience that want to maybe pitch to you or initialize? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the first thing is just is, is build something. Because yeah. it's like, I mean, it, it may be more of a, more of a hurdle for, like the, for YC but, or, you know, pre-seed. But, like, you know, a lot, a lot of people never build anything, right? right? So just getting your hands dirty and build. Like, we have a, you know... Given the composition of the team, we have a bit of a bias for builders, yeah. like being a bunch of builders ourselves. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, it's always good to get something to market. And then, you know, from there, it's just like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there on, like, sort of triangulating product market fit. Yeah. And it, most of it is actually talking to people, actually understanding the need and the use case. Yeah. Like, um, um, you know, getting, getting the feedback you need to understand whether or not... Um, uh, people want this and want to pay yeah. for it, and that I mean, some of that's informed from my own journey as a founder because yeah. I think that 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 was at my first couple companies. It's something I didn't do a great job of. Um, there was a little bit of, um, you know, this is interesting to work on. This is cool. Yeah. Like uh, people are, you know, enthusiastic around it, but you know, we didn't necessarily exercise. Is this is there a business model here? Right. Is you know, like what? You know, how how can this company grow? Um, because. You know, especially initialized, you know, being in venture, like we we need high growth startups. It's yeah. like something. It's there's a lot of good businesses that aren't, um, you know, venture right. packable, and it's it's it becomes this cliche and this thing that you kind of um, push back on venture capitalists about. You know, they're looking for a hundred x return. It's like. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's it. That's just kind of how. That's how the the fund is modeled, and that's how you know the industry. Yeah. Sort of has to work yeah. for it for us to be an asset class that's interesting to the people we're taking money from. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have it has to it has to have the potential to being huge. Yeah. Otherwise, 
you shouldn't raise venture capital. For <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. And what advice do you have for people who want to become venture capitalists like you? Like, do oh. you have to be a founder? Do you have to, <laughs> you go into I, don't, I don't know. That, that's a good one. I, I mean, I sort of, I, I it wasn't something I, I specifically targeted in my career or, um, I mean, the, you know what the advice is, is just, is, is pay attention to your network and pay attention to relationships. You know, the earlier the better. Um, because that, I mean that's what that's what comes in. Yeah, it's something I sort of didn't didn't what as a you know as a programmer often working from home. Yeah, wasn't uh, the first priority for a yeah. lot of my career, and so it's 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 uh, it's a it's definitely a relationship driven business. So right, you know, go out and meet people, and and it, unfortunately, like you know, you learn. Like I was, I might have been a little dismissive, but fortunately, I've learned since I've done this. Like. Like the people in these communities are really interesting. Like it's, they're like people you 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 want to talk to. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Great. So previously you you thought like I don't want to yeah, deal with venture yeah, capitalists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, great. So now uh, transitioning a little bit over to blockchain. You mentioned in your year off you spent a lot of time learning about it. Um, when did you first start getting interested in this space, and what kind of lit the light bulb uh, for you? Yeah. So I would say that I mean I first you know I first purchased some Bitcoin. It was probably like 2013, and it was more like uh, hey this is a uh, Oh, it's a YC company. This, this yeah. could be interesting. Like I saw Coinbase, so yeah. I was like, might as well yeah. um, put you know some tiny amount of money into it. So, um, you know, I, I'd heard about it before that. I forget where. I don't know if it was like a podcast or something. But um, and the idea was interesting, and I didn't I didn't know exactly kind of what to make of it. Um, it seemed it seemed like it could be viable. I don't yeah. know. I certainly wasn't predicting anything near the run up of 2017. Um, I. Um, and then you know slowly, I think I uh, you know I I bought some other coins and sort of got interested a little while in 2013, 2014. Sort of um, bought some of the the altcoins that all seem yeah. to be gone now in the first generation. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, we, you know I kind of kept my eye on Ethereum. I think at one point uh, while I was you know while I was on my while I was sort of researching Gary asked me he's like hey what what do you think about he was getting more excited about the Ethereum project I right. think they were participating in the pre-sale he's like what you know what are the possibilities here about like integrating and or running post-haven on Ethereum oh, interesting. and I you know I researched for a while and kind of came back emphatically like no yeah. that's not a, that's not a viable yeah thing yeah it makes sense um, but uh, but it did it did get me more interested in sort of researching what was going on and at the same time I was learning you know some more about the cryptographic primitives involved, and and in terms of like you know how, you know how uh, public key cryptography and, and hashing functions work. So um, yeah, and then when I joined Initialize, it um, between myself and my partner Vince, who had the most recent experience in engineering, it just seemed that the, the deals with more technical diligence got routed to us, and so we ended up being the ones reading white papers. And, yeah. Um, and so, and I think, I mean, it, it, it seems like a pretty common story that like once people, you know, it, it, it's something that people kind of rattles around their head and then once you start researching it, it's yeah. like the, 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 once people dive in, like becoming some sort of believer, like yeah. it seems to be fairly common. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've we've heard that thread uh, over and over again that yeah. you start going down the rabbit hole yeah. and then emerge a believer on yeah. the other side. Um, and so now at Initialized, you get, um, you, you know, everyone sees there's so many ICOs, so many projects in the space. What's your criteria for picking out 
projects to invest in. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a, I mean, so there's like, uh, I mean, I, I would say that at the firm we have some sort of, we, we have kind of a variance of, the, or, or of theses around mm-hmm. like what's going on in the space, what's yeah. interesting. The first thing, independent of that, is that we, we still are an uh, early stage investment firm. Um, we like to partner with people who are just starting out and building something and, and be there to help them build. We have like a heavy services model, come out of the YC ethos, yeah. a lot of like office hours and a lot of interaction with our founders. So, um, so, even, so even when our crypto deals, we're still looking for that same sort of shape deal. Um, and they're probably going to be, at least today, a little more expensive yeah. if, if, they're in, if they're in cryptocurrency. But we still, we're still looking for people who are just starting out that we can partner with and, and actually help you know, be a value add, be it, whether it be in our, in our advising or you know, what we can do with, with the product yeah. and marketing. So when you like evaluate a company in the blockchain space, you evaluate them the same way you would have yeah. done. Yeah. So it seems so. the The space is a little weird in that a lot of the major investors um, have multiple funds or funds with uh, you know more complex models that sort of that give them a lot more optionality in terms of types of deals. Right. Um, it's not as you know in 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 traditional venture you 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 have a it's easier to kind of label what size deals each comp- each each firm does, yeah. right? Like so we are in the early stage. stage there's B. There's yeah. growth firms. Um, in crypto, it seems like there's a lot more. There's a lot of firms that are just doing all of them, and or like have multiple funds right. to give them. So, so those firms are just you know just chasing you know any deal they can see because there's probably you know if they if they like it, whatever stage it, it might be at, it might fit it into their portfolio somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, but for us, you know, a lot of things, they seem pretty interesting. And even if they seem relatively new, they're like, we look at this, the numbers involved and the sizing and like how it might fit into an early stage portfolio. It just right. kind of doesn't make a sense. Even though it's like a pre-launch thing, it's yeah. kind of a series B or growth-ish right. size deal. So that's kind of, that's, that's one of our first, you know. Um, I mean, beyond that, I think we're looking for the same thing. We're looking for... Um, in the rest of our portfolio, which are you know founders we like that are hardworking, that you know, seem to understand something other people don't, and are working on something that you know has a lot of growth potential. Yeah, and that's that's really interesting to hear because as professional investors, you put in a lot of effort understanding the team, the founders. Whereas uh, one of the challenges our viewers have is there's a lot of ICOs and random projects where. People make take the same type of risks venture capital does, but without the learning and effort that you put in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's 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 probably true. I mean, it's not. I mean, a lot of these, you know, all these projects are very high risk reward, right? Yeah. They're not. I mean, that's that's. It's kind of a weird thing in that in the crypto space, like there may be a higher chance that this is not going to be worth anything. Yeah. But then, but then the, but then the upside is even less bounded you know if you see what's happened in recent run-up and other tokens so like if you're if you're proposing a new token and you think it's actually going to take over yeah um you know if you think i mean there's still people that are proposing things they think have a chance to take over from bitcoin as like right. the store of value and if right. you if you really believe that then that yeah then then the the potential the potential return multiples so. yeah it's huge yeah, it's yeah. Huge. um 
Great. So, what about the different uh, use cases of of the blockchain? So, you've you know you're very embedded in the system. You look at deals. Do you think there's certain use cases where uh, projects are more likely to be successful versus others? Yeah. So, um, personally, I think we're still very much in a early infrastructure. Okay. Um, so, I'm I'm much more interested in, in layer one stuff. Um, and or you know sort of picks and shovels uh, businesses that are kind of built around around that, that we're going to need regardless of what happens on the correct layer one chain just to, to integrate with the real world. Can you explain what layer one? What do you mean by layer? One? Uh, so yeah, I mean layer one is like the the fundamental distributed ledger system, like okay. a, like a new like a, a novel distributed ledger or blockchain. Like okay. Bitcoin is layer one, as opposed to like Lightning, which is layer two right. built on top of Bitcoin. Or you know you, you call Ethereum layer one, and most all DApps. I mean, it's kind of it's a little it's a little murkier um, because there are there's like very specific layer two analogs like Raiden on um, Ethereum. But you know the distributed app is built on. You know I think that so I think that um, in terms of like distributed applications, like the underlying infrastructure is kind of molten right now, okay. and like you know obviously I think. I, it's hard. It's hard to argue with it, and says that for the foreseeable, for right now, like building for Ethereum is the correct place. But right. like, as a um it's. I, I think we're still in a phase where we're learning both what the underlying blockchain needs to be able to do to support the distributed applications, right. and what parts of distributed applications really need to be into a blockchain. Right. Um, and I think. Um, you know, and there's kind of a breadth of what's of, of, of use cases today. And I and the other question is and that has been sort of artificially inserted because of the ICO dynamics is, you know, what needs a token when what right. needs both what needs to be using a token at all, because you can decentralize a lot of things without tokens. Like yeah. it's there's a probably a good case to make be made that IPFS is gonna be a viable, you know, network yeah. without token incentive incentives. Yeah. Um but uh, so one needs a token at all, and then one needs its own token. Um, I don't know; these are sort of separate. So, but but the uh, but one of the points you're making it it's still really early on in the ecosystem. We're still building yeah. the foundations. Yeah, I have I have a harder time betting on things that are that are. You know, I think I I'm not sure if we're if we landed on the smart contract platform that okay. we're going to uh, land on, and or where there we're looking down like some years of smart cl- contract platform wars. Yeah. And so things built on top of them seem it's harder it's harder for me to get to super high conviction about their eventual. Use. Yeah, that's but, really interesting. Yeah, but I, I mean we we um. That's not some of my partners to differ with me. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so then, uh, when do you expect? You know, I've I've heard uh, many people talk about how the new foundations of the internet might be rebuilt on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you see that happening? Is that something that's five years out? That's ten years out? I I mean I don't know, and I and again I don't know which parts of the internet are like super appropriate for for. I mean I think then. You know, decentralization is is costly, and it and it come like I think it works. We have this very specific use case of like, um, um, you know, uncensorable with like counterparty uh, without counterparty risk, right? Yeah. And I think that that I think that's useful, and I think that it um, it's, it certainly becomes important in 
in, in like in total geopolitical breakdown scenarios yeah. and the like. So, but what you know, what do like what do we need to actually be on a blockchain? I'm not entirely sure. So, um, but. I could set certainly things like you know like you know the attempts to do like you know VPN networks that that are sort of and some internal token or yeah. otherwise incentivized and they, I mean that 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 seems interesting to me I I don't know I don't think we're gonna have I don't think we're gonna have you know fifty independent distributed ledgers yeah. I think there's gonna be some handful of use cases on the order of five to ten that that make sense and like where something kind of wins out and things are built on top of it yeah. I think that. And I think that a lot of things will be built in a in a deeply hybrid way, where most of the application can and ought, might pr- probably ought to be centralized, except yeah. for the the quantum of the, of the, where there's real a really a counterparty risk issue. That makes sense. Um, and so you've talked about tokens, the need for tokens in some cases and not in others. You also talked about your early investment days directly into cryptocurrencies. Do you still either personally or through Initialize invest in tokens uh, either directly on exchanges or via token sales? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't really. I, I will say yes. I do. I do hold cryptocurrency. Yeah. I don't really get involved in many individual token sales. And yeah. now, in fact, it's like a, now that now that initialized can hold tokens. There's rules about what the partners can invest in and what we have to. You know, we don't. The, you know, we don't have any conflict of interest. Okay. Internally, um, so with, you know, there's both rules and limits in terms of if if, if these are fund opportunities. Uh, okay. But um, I, and and I think in my my personal holdings, I'm I you might I don't know. I guess I'd say relative to the staff at Initialize, I'm the the Bitcoin maximalist. I think that I really buy. Um, there's a there's an article by John Pfeffer about it, an institutional investor's take on crypto assets. Oh, interesting. What does it say? It's um it, the the basic analysis is that there's probably only there's going there's likely to be one crypto network that that captures the use case of non-sovereign um, monitor monetary store of value or something. Yeah. And that that one might is probably going to be worth the orders of magnitude more than the others because you know there's if you I mean you just think about it in terms of the equation of exchange um, and what's going to be happening with with capital inflow and outflow and the the network that 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 central banks feel safe Put allocating capital to yeah. as part of their holdings yeah. um, will be, will just be worth a lot more, and that even things things that things like that you know like smart contract platforms where it's more of a of a payment coin yeah. will be worth a lot. You know they'll be they're highly useful and they'll be worth a lot, but um, because anything that's sort of that it's pay, that it's a payment rail is going to be have a very high velocity, that the ultimate value of that that currency will be lower. Okay. So, so in a nutshell, uh, it's basically a Bitcoin or Bitcoin-like currency will dominate a lot of the market capitalization. Yeah. So, and and so we're, I mean, we're like in my personal portfolio, it's kind of like, you know, the assumption is that everything else has to be Bitcoin or whatever, you know, whatever uh, I see as the heir apparent to Bitcoin, were were that to happen. So. And I and I've heard of other funds actually managing themselves that way, where they hold most of the, their assets in Bitcoin and then make investments. Um, so, because it's, you know, you, you're hoping for these return multiples that we've seen from some of these ICOs, but at the same time, you, you, if you're not beating Bitcoin, you should, probably should have just bought Bitcoin. Yeah. 
And and do you think that store of value battle has been won by Bitcoin, or that's also up for grabs? I uh, I I. My hunch is that it, that it has, but I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think that, um, I think it's got a very strong lead, I guess is what I would say. I yeah. think that, but I think that, you know, usage relative to what usage really could be is still so low that it's hard to like call it a winner. Yeah. But, um, you know, my, my, my bet's on Bitcoin for the time being. That's great. Um, and is that what you would advise someone who's never invested before to get started with as well? If you, yes, I, if you've never invested and I would advise that you allocate and, you know, you have extra, I mean, you know, just from a standard like portfolio management, yeah. like if you have, you know, you have capital invest, um, I would, yeah, I would probably do some very small percentage of your total holdings in crypto crypto assets and that would probably make most of that percentage Bitcoin and Ethereum um, and maybe I'm also kind of kind of bullish on one of the the privacy coins can you share which one which one I mean I, oh, I, I don't know, know which, which one, one. Okay. Okay. Monero or Zcash okay okay great now this is this is really useful advice because I think one of the problem new investors have is they just get thrown uh, overloaded with information from these like 4,000 different coins and like all of the hype surrounding them. So it's important for people to go back to basics and evaluate uh, these opportunities just like they would when they're buying a car or a house or a stock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that so like, and because those of the the four things I've mentioned, like those are the ones that are actually fulfilling a use case today. I think that, um, you know, Bitcoin is working to be. You know, it's 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 still pretty volatile as a store of value, right? Yeah. So it's tough, but it's it's definitely functional in that use case. And um, Ethereum is certainly at least functional for for the ICO use case, which seems like another thing that yeah. falls within the counterparty risk bucket. Yeah, and it's, and it's real. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you know, obviously, private private transactions are a real thing too. So that's great. Um, would you have any excitement announcements or something coming out of Initialize that you want to tell people about? Uh, nothing, nothing announced today. Anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't spoken about? No. No? So. Okay, that's great. That's, that covers um, what you're hoping to talk no, about. No, that was great. Well, okay. Brett, thank you so much for your time. This has been really valuable and informative uh, for our users who are new to this space and can learn from your experience. And uh, also, if anyone is starting a company, I would highly recommend Initialize. It's one of the best firms in Silicon Valley, and they really help you build the product um, as we learn from our experience. So thanks for joining us, Brett. Thanks a lot.